Welcome, welcome. We are in part two of a series called The Vow. Everybody say there. Everybody say The Vow. Real quickly, how many of you in here are married? Lots of married folks. It's amazing how many married folk are at this church. Uh, how many single folk out there? You're single, you're not married? Quickly scan the room as fast as you can. Leave the, you know, you never know. You never know. Last week we, we began this series with a message um, called Finding the One. And really what we discovered is, is that before you find the one in the way that we think about it, we need to find the one, uh, the one and only. Because here's the deal. Without God in the midst of the marriage, marriage becomes incredibly, incredibly difficult. And how really when you look at how marriage was designed, marriage was never designed just to be a man and a woman. As a matter of fact, we learned is, is that God, and we'll look at it again today, is that God in the Garden of Eden, in this perfect paradise created man created woman and it wasn't just man and woman trying to do a marriage alone but who else was in the garden God was in the garden so marriage's original design was not man and woman it was man woman and God and that is how marriage is supposed to be and if we get away from that or as we stray from that we see that everything unravels and if you look at America's history what you'll find is this is that the further and further we have gotten away from God you'll see the rise of divorce and the rise of cohabitation for a number of different reasons but all rooted in the fact that God's just not in our marriages anymore and I'm going to give some of you some incredible hope right now are you ready if you will do marriage God's way you have a 100% success rate. I promise you that. Right now in America, we know that divorce always kind of hinges around that number 50%, that literally we could go from wedding to wedding every Saturday, every week, and, and seemingly flip a coin, and that one's going to make it, and that one's not. And it's 50-50 either way. I, I'm going to give you some hope. If you will do marriage God's way, you have a 100% success rate. I'm telling you, if you, as a couple, will do things God's way, if you will put God first, and that's what we learned last week, that when we put God first in our marriage, how you know it's just kind of hard to go worship Jesus, to meditate on Scripture, to pray and be with God, and then to go be mean to your spouse. It's like hard to do that. I have a hard time. It, I, 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 it doesn't cross my conscience to where I can get away with that. I just know I can't. Because when I'm in the presence of God, I'm full of patience. I'm full of peace. I'm full of kindness. And then that spills over into my relationship. And if there's any beautiful picture of what marriage is supposed to be like, it's this. It's a husband that draws love and strength from God and gives it to her. And it's a wife that draws love and strength from God and gives it to him. And when you have that Oh, you have one of those marriages that can annoy people. You know what I'm talking about. It can just bother people. But it only comes not when we get our needs met from our spouse, but when we get our deepest and primary needs met from our Heavenly Father. Everybody say, okay. If you weren't here last night, or yes, if you weren't here in March chapter 10, you really need... You really need to go back and get the CD. It's, uh, it should be in the back for free. You can download it via iTunes and podcasting, or you can go watch it online. It, it, last week's message, and I think I titled this. They call me on usually like Thursday night, and they say, Pastor, what's the title of your sermon? I usually don't know, and I just make stuff up, and then I change it later. But last week, I said, I said this. I, how can I? Th I was thinking. Just put it like this. It's the most important message on marriage you will ever hear. And I think that's what the CD even said. So anyway, go get that CD. But today we're, we are in chapter or we're in part two of this series called the vow and i need you to go to genesis chapter two with me right now are you ready genesis chapter two we're going to kind of pick up this idea of god designing marriage his way and if we'll do it his way we have that 100 percent success rate genesis chapter two verse number 18 kind of sets the tone for it god looks at a dude and says it's not good what we got going right now it's not going to work long term 
uh, it's not good for this guy to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. Now, I don't know if you know this, this, but remember when Adam was made, he was made from the dust of the earth. And then all the animals were made then from what? The dust of the earth is what the Bible said. So women were made, as we'll see in a second, they were made from the rib of man, which means they're, they're, they're just different, aren't they? They're, they're different in every single facet, in every single way. They're just different. They're already cleaner and more expensive than, than, than men are. And that's just the way God made it from the beginning. So the Bible says that he brought the, the animals to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Everybody say, praise God. That'd be weird. So uh, the Bible says in verse 21, So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is bone of my bone. The flesh of my flesh, she will be called woman because she was taken out of man. And here's the the main two verses here that we're going to land on over the next few weeks. The Bible says this, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. In those two verses right there, we're going to walk through these the next few weeks. In those two verses alone, you know what you'll find? You'll find these laws and principles that you cannot get away from. Now, real quick, how many of you like laws? Nobody raised it. One person raised it. How many, how many like laws for other people? I mean, uh, yeah, we like it when other people follow laws. We, we like for us to be somewhat free from those laws. But here, here's the deal. When we see these ideas of, uh, that we're going to work through, these are laws and principles that are unbreakable. And here's what I know about laws. Laws don't care if you know about them or not. Did you know that? Like, like for instance, like the earth is built on certain physical laws, like, like the law of gravity, right? Do you know gravity doesn't care about you? It just is, isn't it? So like you can go on top of a building, be convinced you can fly like a bird, and then you can, you can, you can fall down and get hurt and be like, but I didn't know. And this is what a lot of kids do, isn't it? We, we, we put capes that we think have powers. Did you ever do this when you were a kid? And you put on a cape and you feel like, I'm like Superman, and you try to jump off stuff. Did gravity care? No, of course not. And I got hurt a bunch as a kid, and I have all kinds of bruises and scratches and, and, and all kinds of bad things that happened to me as a kid because I just didn't understand certain laws of physics. Here's what I want you to know about these laws. Whether you know about these laws or not is irrelevant. And here's the other thing you need to know about these laws. You can't break them. This, there's, an old, there's an old saying even, even in our criminal justice system that you can't break the law. You can only break yourself against the law. That's the way these laws works. And, and, and when we walk through these, what you're going to see is, is there are these principles and laws that God has set in motion. And, and if we don't know about them, we're still going to be, unfortunately, subject to the consequences of them. And if we just decide to say, you know what, I, don't even, I know that's what God said, but I don't care, we're still going to suffer the consequences of them. Because these are laws that are unchanging and unbreakable. So before we begin, let's bow our heads and pray one more time. Father, we pray that our heart would be open, that our mind would be open. God, we pray that your grace would be in this place. Lord God, we're, we're going to hear some stuff that's going to challenge us. 
We're going to hear some stuff that might make us uncomfortable. We're going to be challenged to maybe make some corrections and decisions. But God, we pray that your grace would be here, God, to give us strength and to make sure that no matter what we hear, no matter what decisions we need to make, God, to know that your love is always for us and always over us, Lord God. And yet you are absolutely for our marriage success. So God, we pray and we ask that you'd be with us this morning in Jesus' name. So I say amen. You know it's bad when like the preacher gets up and says, I need to pray that grace be on you because of what you're about to hear. That's a bad sign, isn't it? This first law that we will look at is so hidden and so quick. It, 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 verse number 24, if we could go back and look at that verse again, the Bible says this. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Now there's a lot in that one verse, but the very first thing that we'll look at is this. Is the Bible says that a man will leave his mom and his dad. Everybody say leave. If you go read an, uh, an old school King James version of the Bible, it says you got to leave and you got to cleave. That you leave your father and mother and that you cleave to your wife. The very first law, the very first principle of marriage is this. It's the principle of priority. In the very first part of this verse, what you'll find is, is that God sets the tone and says a man will leave his father and mother. Now, here's a question I have for you. Who was their father and mother? Was there even a dad and a mom around? Are you around yet? No. He's just getting it out of the gate. There's no even mom and dad to point to for Adam. Who made Adam? God did. But he says, I need you to know that this is a forever law because down the road, this is how it's going to work out. A man is going to need to leave his mom and dad. And here's what that word leave means. It basically is a Hebrew word. It's, it's A-Z-A-B. It's a zab. And it means to relinquish or to loosen or to let go of. And what it meant was is that in, in terms of priority of relationship, for marriage to truly work, a man, and it works both ways, a man and a woman, will have to leave the father and mother, meaning leave them as the primary relationship, and make marriage the primary relationship. And this is how it works, is that a guy leaves home, a guy goes out, and a guy takes a bride, and they cleave to one another. But before they do anything, they've got to make sure that because how many know when you're a kid and when you're young, the number one priority relationship is who? It's mom and dad. Mom and dad who gave birth to you, that's who raised you, that's who fed you, that's who clothed you, that's who trained you, that's who raised you, and hopefully that's the one that launches you off. But what God is instituting first and foremost is this idea that there is no greater relationship once you get married than the relationship that you have with your spouse. It's not about mom and dad anymore. Now, does that mean that you just get to kick them to the curb and not care? Absolutely not, because when you read the rest of the scripture, it says to always honor your father and mother. So it's never saying that we diss them or disrespect them. They basically just lower down on the priority list and no longer are they number one, but your spouse is your primary relationship. Now, nobody wrote that down. Because most of it in this room are saying, well, duh. But here's the problem that I run into, because see, I hear a lot of stories, and I do marriage counseling, and I see this over and over, and I talk to a lot of husbands, and I talk to a lot of wives, and although many of us in this room would intellectually agree with this, most of us don't fully line up with this. This is why in counseling sessions, I'll, I'll hear things like this. I'll hear things like, well, you know what? He just works all the time, and when he gets home, he's tired, and then he just wants to rest, and even when he does get off time, he wants to go out and do something with his buddies. I hear stuff like this. She doesn't even know when I'm home. She's so busy with the kids in the house that anytime I want to be romantic or, or just to be with her, she's too tired. She's worn out. How many stories have I heard like that? How many? Don't raise your hand. Don't look at your spouse right now. 
It's not elbow time. But think about it. How many times do we feel that sense in our marriage that we feel like the kids are more important and work is more important and their hobbies are more important and there's just not enough time and we're not together like we used to be and we don't share moments like we used to have and it's not like it was when we were dating or it wasn't like we were when we were newlyweds and we're just not the same anymore and we've kind of grown apart. Where do all these things come from? It comes from the fact that somewhere along the way we slowly began to walk away from this very first law, the law of priority. And here's my goal for you. My goal for you is that by the end of this day, that you kind of rekindle a righteous jealousy. I want you to be jealous for your spouse. I don't know if you've been... Now, how many of you know this, this is kind of a weird idea? Because if you read parts of Scripture, parts of Scripture is not good to be jealous. How many of you ever... Like, love is not... Like, go read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know, the, the one they read at weddings. Love is not jealous. It's not boastful. It's not all these things. And you're like, but Todd, love's not supposed to be jealous. Kind of. Not really. Because you know what? If you go read Exodus chapter 34, 34, verse 14, you know what it says? It says that God is jealous and even his name is jealous. So how is it that God is jealous, but I'm not supposed to be jealous? Here's what we, the conclusion, here's the tension that we come down to, is that there is a righteous jealousy, and then somewhere along the line it crosses, it crosses over into unrighteous Jealousy and unrighteous jealousy is when we try to possess something that's not ours or dominate something that's not ours or try to possess something that doesn't belong to us. There is an unrighteous jealousy. But when it comes to your spouse, can I tell you, there's a good, healthy, righteous jealousy. And I'm going to put it like this. If I ever see a dude hitting on my wife, we got problems. You're going to get words. Why? Because that's my wife. You don't talk to my wife like that. You don't look at my life. I don't hear no one-liners coming at my wife. I don't want you grazing her arm. No, no, you should, Back up off my wife. That's my wife. And same thing is true on her end, that she, she needs to have and wants to have a righteous jealousy to where, you know, we were in the gym one time and there was this girl, you know, I don't, I don't work out with my wedding ring on. My guns must have been flexed and flaring that day. I must have had one of them size medium shirts on. My abs were coming through. And this girl, you know, and I, I went, because she wasn't with me uh, at the moment. She was in a different part of the gym. And I immediately went over and told her this, what, what the girl had kind of said to me. And it was, it was real sweet and mostly innocent. And uh, first thing, she, where is she? Where is she? I want to know which one. And she did it with a smile on her face, but we just know. I love her. And I'm going to fight for her. Why? Because that's my number one. Outside of my relationship with God, and this is what you need to know, and we'll put it in these words if you're taking notes, is that God designed marriage to operate as the number two priority of life, second only to Him. Last week we learned that God has to be first because she can't meet all my needs. If she's number one, I'll always be deficient. If He's the one, and He's number one, I'll always be totally satisfied in Him. Then I can fully love her. But if I'm not satisfied in him, I actually can't fully love her, nor can she fully love me. So God designed marriage. He goes, look, outside of me, you got to leave mom and dad. Mom and dad can't be the number one priority. And you know what that represents is everything else in life cannot be the number one priority. Once you get married, you have one priority then in terms of human relationships, and that's your wife. And you need to cultivate a righteous jealousy to say, that's my spouse, that's my husband, that's my wife, and nothing's going to come between us. As a matter of fact, when you read the rest of Scripture, you'll find God has this exact same feeling. As a matter of fact, 
when Israel starts to commit idolatry, you know what he calls it? He says, that's adultery. You're, you're, you're cheating on me. You've got to know that God has an amazing love for mankind in a way that we don't fully understand. And guys even have a hard time interpreting because we think that's kind of off. But, but God has a jealous love for you as a, as a person. And God had a jealous love for Israel. And, and the Bible talks about how Jesus is the groom and the church is the, the bride of Christ. So there's these ways of seeing God through this relational dynamic that God has a jealous love for you. As a matter of fact, when you go read Exodus chapter 20, what we refer to as the Ten Commandments, we have so missed the mark in understanding what that meant. Do you know that the moment leading up to God giving the Ten Commandments parallels that of a Jewish wedding feast? All the things that he does and all the things that Israel does in response parallels that of a Jewish wedding feast. The calling, the summoning, all these things. And then when you think about the Ten Commandments, think about the opening lines of the Ten Commandments. The very first commandment was what? Don't have any other gods before me. You know what this was God was saying? Look, if we're going to be together, I've I got to be your, your one and only one. You can't be cheating on me. You can't have other dudes. You can't have other boyfriends. I've got to be your, your, your number one. The second one was, was don't have any idols. You know what he was saying? He's like, don't make me like everybody else. Don't Everybody's got these little, little things and these little idols and these little things. No, no, no. Don't cheapen me. Don't make me like everybody else. I want to be special in your life. He says, don't take my name in vain. What he was saying is don't take advantage of me. If we're going to be in a relationship, don't try to take advantage of my name. Don't try to do that. And then lastly, it was is to what? To honor the Sabbath. You know what he's saying? Hey, if we're going to be together, I want to spend time with you. Like we, we, we should have like date night. We'll have date day. We'll call it Sabbath. And you, want you I, want, I don't want you to work. I don't want you to do anything. I want you to rest and be with me. Do you see it now? Is that God has a righteous jealousy over you. And as a marriage couple, God wants you to have a righteous jealousy for one another. He wants you to be upset when other things kind of get in the way and intervene and, and, and become roadblocks in your marriage. He wants you to get upset about that and fight to protect that. And before you do any of that thing, we've got to realign all of our priorities. So before you kind of get off on a tangent, you've got to do some practical things. The first thing I want you to do is this, is I want you to actually define what your priorities look like. Now, as a believer, this is easy. There's some scriptures that just make it so clear to us that there's some specific uh, priorities that are given to us. So let's, let's look at them together. There's, 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 I'd put them in this order, and I think as a believer, you pretty much have to stay here. Now, if you're not a Christian here today, this is going to be a little difficult for you, but just hold on. We know that as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, that God is our number one priority. And we talked about that all last week. But secondly, what we're talking about today is that the number two priority of life is our it's our spouse. It's your husband. It's your wife. And when these things get out of order, life begins to have chaos. The marriage begins to have tension and separation begins to take place. Because why? This is just the way that God, does, this is the law of priority. Now I'm going to tell you where this works because when you see these things, none of these things are bad, are they? No, none of them are bad. But what we'll find is this, and you'll find this with guys so much. You'll find guys who put their work above their spouse. Now, you would never say that. Now, like if I sat down with you and I would say, hey, look, do you think your work is more important than your wife? No, absolutely not. And if I asked you to describe, you know, well, how do you feel about your wife? You'd give me some, some great words. 
Some great phrases. I would, if I said, what would you do? I'd fight for her. I'd die for her. I'd do, and you would get so expressive and be so gung-ho about it. And you would say, this is how I feel. I said, but that's not how she feels. And how you feel is irrelevant. Because here, here's the deal. You in your heart feel that way. She can't see your heart. But she sees your schedule. And when your work schedule and your life schedule constantly keep bumping her down, I'm telling you, there's tension. And things are all of a sudden out of order. I see this with wives all the time. Is that wives do this thing where they begin to elevate the home or they elevate children above their spouse. And, and no doubt it's so hard because when you, are a new, when you are a new mom and you've got that little one, that little one requires so much attention and so much time that there is this short little season where they're just going to dominate your time and there's not a lot you can do about it. And you have to fight to get that back into place once you get over about a 9 to 12 month gap. Once you get back over there, you got to crawl back into saying, you know what, I know the kid, I know it was a baby, I know I was nursing, I know we had this and this and this, but I've got to get back to putting my husband first. And here's the deal. When we look at these things, again, it's easy. Because see, guys at work, sometimes we get our self-confidence from our work. We feel better about who we are because of work. We, when we go to work, we feel like we're the man, and we're accomplishing, we're winning, we're achieving, we're earning, and that's the way God designed us. He designed us to be providers, but when it goes too far, what we end up doing is, is we end up providing, providing, providing to the neglect of our relationship. And although we're providing money, we are no longer providing affection. We're providing a home and a car, but we're not providing love anymore. And work has all of a sudden taken its wrongful place. Now, is work a bad thing? Of course not. I mean, the Bible goes on to say that a man that doesn't work shouldn't eat. You need to work. You need to be a provider. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it supersedes the priority of your spouse, you're going to have marital chaos, marital tension. There's going to be neglect going on there. And women, I know, because I see this with my wife all the time. I've got three kids, and we got one of them, and the last one just now, praise God, coming out of diapers. I hate me some diapers. I don't want to talk about it. Anyway. But, but I know I've got three kids, and I know, and here's, here's the deal. Ladies, when I talk to you, your heart is in the right place. Your intentions are to love your children. Your intentions are to create a great home. Your intentions are to do all these wonderful things. But when your husband comes home, he's not feeling those in intentions. He's not always feeling that. And again, guys, I see this with the kids too. Many times as parents, we have these, we have these wrong ideas. And here's some of the wrong ideas that we have. We think, I want to give my kid everything that I did not have. I want to give my kid every opportunity to succeed. I want my kid to be able to go and play all those sports because I didn't get to. Or go do, I want my little girl to go be all these things because I didn't get to. And our intentions are good, but we've, we've totally missed the mark. And here's why. The most important thing that you can do for your children is model for them a relationship with God and a great marriage. That is the most important thing that you can do. Because here's, what, here's the thing. is We think we, if we're going to do all these things for them, we're actually helping them. I'm telling you this, and you need to hear this. If your marriage is not first in your home, you are doing your children a disservice, and you are crippling their future more than you're helping it. Here's why I know that. Because you and I would all agree, for those of us who grew up in homes and saw things out of line and out of order and out of priority, we then grew up and did not know how to be successful wives or successful husbands. And don't you tell me that doesn't affect the kids' environment. It absolutely does. 
The mo- you want to set your kids up for success? It is not to have them in every sport, every activity, every little thing in the world. It is to model for them a relationship with God so that they see God at work in you and God in your mind and on your mouth and in your heart and at the dinner table and before you go to bed at night. And when they see that, they, they feel a sense of God all over their family. And when they see mommy and daddy able to hug, kiss, to work things out, to talk through things, to go on dates at night, you know what you're showing your little guy? You know what you're showing your young man? This is how you be a husband. I'm going to set you up for success. I mean, this is, this is how you open the car for a lady. This is, how you, this is how you take them on a date. I'm telling you guys, you need to take your daughters out on dates to show them how a man is supposed to treat a woman. And you start doing that for your kids. You start modeling in your home how it is that you talk to a wife. How it is, wives, that you are supposed to talk to a husband so that then when they grow up, they end up with successful marriages that produce what? Successful kids. I'm telling you what, the, the model was this. It doesn't say that a man and a woman uh, are, are, leaves his father and mother so that they can put the focus and the priority on the kids. Never do you see that in Scripture. The only thing that you'll see in Scripture is this, is that the marriage is the priority, and then they're to train a child up in the ways of God. How do you do that? You model what it is to have a relationship with God, and you model what it is like to have a great marriage. That is the absolute best thing that you could ever do for your kids. You put them in that type of healthy environment, you show them those things, you are putting them on a path for success. Somebody say, okay. So again, the temptation is, is guys, we'll put work above our spouse, or, or sometimes we'll put our kids above our spouse. Sometimes we'll just get these things out of line. Sometimes we do it with our hobbies. Sometimes we've got these things that we want to go do, and whether it's, it's this hobby or this sport or this activity, I know guys that drag their wives around to their softball games, and their wives can't stand it. And you think, babe, we're being together. I want you to be with me on this. They don't want to be there. Stop it. There's a time for softball. There's a time to be at home. There's a time for certain hobbies. But I'll tell you this. The time is always at the bottom of the list when it comes to those extracurricular activities. Because if you, I'm telling you this. Look, look, let's move on. I'm going I'm to unpack this. I promise. Write this down if you're taking notes. Priorities must constantly be protected from good things out of priority. Again, there's nothing wrong, certainly, with work. We need to provide for our family. There's certainly nothing wrong with training and taking care of our kids. There's certainly nothing wrong with hobbies. It only becomes wrong when they get out of priority. Here's where we want to go for the next few minutes here. Priorities must be proven in real terms, not words. You know what real terms are? Here's the real terms I want to talk to you about. There's four real ways, real terms in which we prove our priorities. And here it is, what is it? It's with sacrifice, time, energy, and attitude. That's how you prove priorities. Because guys, it is so easy, and girls, it is so easy to say, but I really do love them, and I really would do anything for them. And you know what? Sometimes, sometimes the kickback is this. It's like, but I'm doing this for her. I'm working like a dog for her. She's the one that wanted the home and I'm trying to provide a home and I'm trying to provide the car and all the stuff and I'm doing this for her. I'm telling you, you're going to break yourself against the law. I know your heart is in the right place, but I'm telling you that when we reprioritize things and things are, I'm telling you, it's not gonna work. She can have all the home and all the cars in the world and in her heart, she'll feel depleted. In her heart, she'll feel unsatisfied. In her heart, she'll feel unloved. I'm telling you, ladies, you can do all the things to try to get the home and the kids and everything just so, but if he still feels neglected, I'm telling you there's something missing, and it's called good things that are out of their proper priority. This is actually how you show it. Everybody say sacrifice. Guys, I'm telling you what. This is my belief. You want the key to a woman's heart. Show her what you're willing to actually give up for her. 
it will blow her mind. You go hang up the golf clubs. You go hang up that stuff. You go, say, you go to your boss and say, I'm not going to be working 60-hour weeks anymore. We're just going to have to adjust my... You go make some legitimate sacrifices. It will blow her mind. Sacrifice. Not only that, it's time. I'm telling you what, there's nothing bigger than this right here. Again, we can't see your heart. We can see your schedule. We can't see your intentions. We can't see your motives. What we can see is, is where you actually put your time. And this is what you need to know. You need to treat time like you would money. It is a limited commodity, isn't it? Like you don't have just an endless amount of time, just like you don't have an endless amount of money. And when you don't have an endless amount of money, what do you need to do with that money? Budget it. Prioritize it. You don't go out and go crazy wild on luxuries, do you? And then forget about the mortgage and food. Like you don't do that, do you? Or you don't do that and, 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 and not be homeless eventually. What do you do with your money? You budget it and you prioritize it. What I'm telling you is this, is that your time is that same type of limited commodity. That if you really want to show where your priorities are, you've got to actually set aside, prioritize, and plan specific amount of time in certain areas if you want to show where your priorities are. Thirdly is this, it's energy. It's not about just just giving time, it's about actually putting thought and energy and creativity into it. As a matter of fact, I know so many guys, and they're like, you know, like I said, well, she needs to go with me to this thing, or, well, I'm with you, yeah, but you're on your phone. Well, I'm with you, yeah, but you're on the computer, or you're on the television. Like, that's not, that's not focused time. That's, that's not true energy. You're just showing up and trying to mail that thing in. And then fourthly, it's attitude. Because how many you know, like, if, you're, if your wife says, yeah, I really want to do these things for you, or you kind of asked her for all these things, and then she shows up and does all those things with the worst attitude, did it mean anything to you guys? No, of course not. Girls, did it mean anything to you that he, he took you dancing, but he complained about it the entire time? He took you on that date, but he griped about it the entire time? I'm telling you what, you want to sacrifice something? Go see a girl flick. That's major sacrifice for a guy. If there's not killing in that movie, it's a sacrifice. But, but guys, don't go see the chick flick and then complain about it the whole time. you got to actually be with her, be in the moment, get over the hump in your mind and say, here, I'm here to give you my time, energy, sacrifice, affection, because you're the priority. And there's nothing more important than you when it comes to this stuff. This is how we show our priority. And here's the deal. I know what the kickbacks are. Because this is a constant struggle. This is not a thing where I got it right, we finally got it right, babe. We did it. We won. No, because wait six months. Your life will change. Your, your schedule will shift again. Things will come up again. This is a constant battle. This is not a one-time victory. This is something that you are always juggling and always working at to make sure your spouse is the priority because your kickback, there's a couple of them. There's, there's what I would call the whatabouts. Everybody say, what about? Because this is what some of you guys will tell me. Some of you guys that prioritize work over your family will say, well, like, well, what about the mortgage, Todd? Like, I got to pay the mortgage. Well, and what about the kids, you know, college fund? I got to do that. And, and, and what, about, what about our retirement? What about these things? Well, come on, Todd, you need to live in the real world. You're living, you're a pastor, and you just think in spiritual terms. But what about these things? Here, here's the problem. I know you think I'm just a pastor, and I just pray with people all day, but... See, here, here, here's the problem. If you prioritize work and earning and all these things over the mortgage, see, eventually your, your relationship is going to fracture. And then you won't be worrying about who's going to pay the mortgage. You're going to be worried about who gets the house in the divorce or how you sell it. I love you. The, say, like the, the, like the kid's college tuition? 
That's going to be eaten up in attorney's fees. So I don't know, like, and then like the, re- the retirement, you won't be retiring together anyway. Because as soon as we break the law of priority, it breaks us. God has given us a blueprint not because he's trying to be hard on us. God has given the blueprint because he loves us. He's trying to protect us. He's trying to keep us safe. This is how I know that is because this very scripture that we're talking about, that a man should leave his father and his mother and make his wife the priority of his life in human relationships. This is not something that God said way thousands of years ago when things were archaic. This is something that Jesus said. He was asked the question, he goes, can a guy just divorce his wife for any good reason? He goes, no. I'm telling you, this is the way it's always been, the way it's always will be. And this is what he says. He goes, For a man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife. And then later, Paul is dealing with practical marriages in the church during the New Testament time period. And you know what he says? He goes back and quotes this exact same verse. He goes, you want to see what a great marriage looks like? It's it's, it's two people that submit to each other. It's a husband that loves his wife and a wife that respects and honors his husband. And they come together. Why? Because a man shall leave his father and his mother and be clear or be joined and united to his wife. This is a forever law. We can't break it. And when our marriage is not the priority of our home, things will begin to fracture. Things will begin to break up. Things will begin to fall apart. And so we got to get rid of the whatabouts. You know, the, the other ones is when we. This is the other one. Because a lot of you, what you'll sit back and say to me today is, is well, you're right, Todd. We probably should, but you don't, you don't know. See, right now, we got this thing going, and it is this thing going, and in probably about six months, this will begin to clear up, and in about two years, this will be done, and this will be gone. So, so when we have the mortgage is paid off, and when we have this set aside, and we're able to go do this, and we have all these future when we, what I'm telling you is now. Because the problem is, is when you set the when we's, when we get there, when we get this done, or when we have this, or when we... Finally settle here. I'm telling you, you're going to be so far down. This is why couples get down the road. Their kids have been the home or the priority of the home. And all of a sudden, the kids go off to college. The kids move out and the kids leave. And you look at your spouse and you don't know who they are anymore. Why? Well, when we, when we, we pushed it off so long. I'm telling you, you can't afford the whatabouts. You can't afford the when we's. And here's what I want you to do as we close today. It's 1117 if you're taking medicine. I always preach long when I talk about marriage. I love it so much. And I know the struggle and I know what it's like to need to work at it and massage it and constantly. This is never a one time we got it fixed. It's always keeping our eye on the prize and always keeping that plate spinning so that it never falls down. And here's what I want you to do. I want you this afternoon, maybe it's on the drive home from church today. I want you to go and ask the big question. I want you to be able to look at your spouse and I want you to ask him this question. What would you have me give up? Is there any schedule changes that you would like me to make? Is there anything that I've put and you feel like is a priority over you? Me and my wife kind of have this on a regular basis. We don't really frame it in those words. We have a certain phrasing, and maybe you do too, and I hope you do. But we know there's certain seasons of life that are harder than others, and sometimes it's just personal. Sometimes it's her, and she's just going through a tough month or something like that, or sometimes it's just me. Sometimes it's us, and we're, we're, we're kind of getting at each other a little bit more than, than what's normal, than what we, we feel is okay. And we eventually step back, and we ask this question. Are we okay? And we kind of know that, that question, are we okay, kind of encapsulates a, bottom, a, 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 a whole bunch of things. It's you still love me? Do we need to talk about things? Is there anything on your heart? Is there anything that I've done? Is there anything that we, is, have, have I put something out of priority over you? And this is the question we ask. Are we okay? And, and we don't have this, it's not like a Monday schedule thing. 
It's not like every Monday night, are we okay? No, but every once in a while, if we ever feel like there's any tension at all, we look at each other. We did this just, I don't know, it was probably just a week or two ago. And it was just her. I loved her. I, there was nothing wrong in my mind, nothing wrong in my heart. She just had a week or something where things just were, were piled up and didn't go real good for her that week. And she just looked at me and she was probably feeling a little bit of that. I didn't. And she just looks, are we okay? We're okay. I love you. We're fine. But we asked the question, is there anything in my schedule that you would want me to change? Is there anything that you think is out of priority in our relationship? And ask that question. Guys, you have to be strong to ask that question. You can't be weak. You have to be strong to ask that question. And you have to be strong and be willing to hear what they have to say. And when they say it, I don't want you to argue. Guys, when, 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 if they give you an answer, ladies, I don't want you to give every reason and every excuse in the world. I just want you to hear. I just want you to think about it. Because this is not about right or wrong. This isn't about them judging your intentions or your motives. This is just about maybe how the way that they feel. And just hearing what they have to say. Is there anything that's taken priority over me in our marriage relationship? And that question right there will hopefully be a question that you kind of put into your monthly routine or into, into those moments where the tension starts to build. You'll be able to go back to that place and say, you know what? Maybe we need to revisit this question because this is not something you get right one time and then you got it worked out forever. This is something that, man, life drifts towards chaos. Your schedules drift to more and more and more. Usually your schedules don't get lighter. Usually your schedules get more full. And the more full they get, the more likely it is that our spouse begins to slip further and further down that list of priorities. I want everybody to stand up on your feet with me today. If you're in this place and you are married, I want you to um, just grab the hand of your spouse. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me today. Father, today we recognize that there's a guiding truth in life, God. And it's that you designed marriage to be the number one human relationship that we have. That God, today we shouldn't allow our parents to interfere with our marriage to a point that it begins to create tension. We shouldn't allow work. We shouldn't allow our hobbies. We shouldn't even allow our kids to get over the point where they are affecting our marriage. Our marriage should be first. And so God, today we receive that. And God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work in our lives. And God, that you would speak to us. God, that you would give us clear direction, clear instruction. That you would bring specific things to our mind. God, some of us today may need to sacrifice something at work. Some of us may need to sacrifice a friendship. Some of us may need to sacrifice a hobby. Some of us may need to just rearrange things and make sure that things aren't invading our marriage. God, we want to do marriage your way. That's my prayer for every couple in this place. God, we want to do marriage your way. And we tr totally trust and totally believe that when we do your marriage your way, God, it will be blessed. God, you didn't design anything to fail. You never made anything to fail, God. You made marriage to be a blessing to us, Lord God. We pray that we would do it your way, Lord God. Speak to us, help us, encourage us. God, give us the grace and strength to make some of those tough changes and tough decisions, God. We pray that we would be able to, God, show the world what great marriage is supposed to look like. God, we pray that we would show the world this is how a husband treats a wife. This is how a wife treats a husband. This is how you love one another. This is how you raise godly children. This is how it was meant to be. Because the world is cynical. But God, we want to be the light of the world.
salt of the earth. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden. So Father, we pray that you would be with us as we go out of this place, as we, God, continue to journey with you, to walk with you, to follow you, Lord God. Speak to us and help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. If you believe that, shout amen. Amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap this morning.